Hello, everyone, and welcome to Mitty's Witties for the fourth week of March. This week, we're going to start off right out the bat without, with talking about what I think is one of the most dangerous things we have going on right now, and that is weakness. Um, it's kind of unavoidable. I know we've talked about it several times. We're going to continue to talk about it because it seems nobody else is going to. Joe Biden's weakness is nothing to uh, just roll your eyes about and go on with anymore. And by the way, I think that um, some of the media has been given some kind of clearance to go after Joe Biden. You're seeing more and more outlets pick up the immigration um, stories and different things and they're getting a little bolder in their headlines. And I think that you are going to start seeing the um, the shifting of not referring to this as the Biden administration. I think they are going to want to start calling it the Biden slash Harris administration to start preparing us um, for whatever their next plans may be. So keep an eye out for that. You know, obviously there's um, there's mental weakness. There's this week we saw exhibited some physical weakness and was put front and center as he was going up the um, steps to. Air Force One and fell not once, not twice, but three times. And I know there were a lot of memes and, you know, I try not to laugh at them, but some of them are kind of uh, comical, but it's really scary. Number one, I noticed nobody like tried to rush to his aid. They just kind of stood there and watched it happen. And I realized things like that happens fast. And I am not going to come here and tell you that, um, I've never fallen upstairs. No, I fell or downstairs. I have done both. Um, and I had major back surgery because of it. So I, I know that I have some medical problems that, you know, cognitively and um, balance wise, I am definitely not where I used to be. And the risk of me falling is actually pretty good. So I'm, it, it concerns me. I'm coming about this in a different manner. And besides, I didn't go on uh, national TV and boast about how well I could go upstairs or come down ramps or whatever else. So, you know, we got we to be really careful. But it's all been put in in front and center. And this week, we, you know, they built it up. We're 60 some days in, and we're finally going to have this um, this press conference, which is going to be, um, you know, it was sold as he was going to be shot questions. He was going to, they were going to be able to answer follow up questions, and it was going to be full disclosure. And that is not how that turned out. Um, you know, first of all, they only let certain people in. And so it was select press in the first place. 
And you know what? Let's just listen to a really brief clip of just a one interaction. And um, I'll let you decide for yourself. So the best way to get something done, if you if you hold near and dear to you that you uh, um, like to be able to. Anyway, I'm we're going to get a lot done. And if we have to, if there's complete lockdown and chaos as a consequence of the filibuster, then we'll have to go beyond what I'm talking about. OK, um, hang on. Uh, Sorry. Oh, sing me, Miss Kim. Ladies and gentlemen, the President of the United States of America. I, I don't even know anymore. You know, so it was Select Press. Then he had a binder um, type thing set up. The binder had pictures of every member of the press. Their little picture was there, what outlet they came from, what question they were going to ask, and what the answer to that question was. And the ones that he was allowed by whoever his handlers are to call on were circled. That was not a press conference. That was theater. You know, we are all being lied to. The question is, who is smart enough to see it? Now, why is all of this important? Our adversaries are watching. They are laughing. You think I'm joking? The tensions are rising with China. North Korea refuses to even speak. He is ignoring calls from anyone in the Biden administration. Iran is working on nuclear weapons and China openly mocked us. Our representatives, our own representatives on American soil. They openly mocked us. You know what? This, it, I, there are no words anymore, to be honest. There are a lot of people complicit in this, a lot. From his family members who, uh, uh, the problems there and maybe someday I will um, touch on that. Actually, there is a story breaking that we will touch on on that, but his family members, um, the, the Democratic cabal, I don't even know what to call them right now. The, the people who let their dislike and disdain for one man to get in the way, couldn't see past the, the human, and look at the policies and what was best for this country, those. And let me just be very clear. <laughs> for the most part, I'm not a fan of what came out of 
President Trump's mouth, but his policies, you cannot doubt, you can say all kinds of things about him, but you cannot doubt his love for the United States of America. You can say all kinds of things about whether he's a Christian or not a Christian. First of all, not our point to judge. Secondly, I look at actions, and he was by far the most pro-life, pro-Christian rights president we have ever had. So to those Christians who could not, and non-Christians who could not, put their dislike and disdain aside, I truly pray for you. I, I truly pray for those who let themselves vote that way. I pray for, for them because they allowed this. Our kids and grandkids, your kids and grandkids are forever affected by this. Accept that. Own it. You're complicit. In this. Okay. Let's go further into this. And where do we even start? I wish I had a wheel. You know, let's just pull evil out of a hat and let's see which one we're going to tackle first. But uh, let's take on Russia. Now, let's play a clip of President Biden talking about Putin. You know Vladimir Putin. You think he's a killer? Mm-hmm. I do. So what price must he pay? The price he's going to pay, well, you'll see shortly. He will pay a price. I, we had a long talk, he and I. We've, I, I know him relatively well. And I, the conversation started off. I said, I know you and you know me. If I establish this occurred, then be prepared. You said you know he doesn't have a soul. I did say that to him, yes. And, to, and his response was, we understand one another. So he called him a killer. <laughs> and, you know, of course, Putin responded. You know, so. You know, I, I've reviewed a bunch of things that first of all, I watched the I wish that I could play you a clip here. But the problem is that the clips are all of Biden or Biden of Putin speaking in Russian. And when I'm watching them, I can see the transcription on the bottom of the screen. But since it's a podcast, you cannot see that. So I have written down the translations. I'm going to refer to the Washington Post article. Putin responds to Biden's comment that he's a killer and a few other um, things. So, you know, Putin responds by saying, I wish him health. I say that without irony and not as a joke. Let me just remind you that the last time he wished somebody good health, he poisoned them. So Biden's remark, remarks about Putin prompted the Kremlin to summons its ambassador to the United States back to Moscow to discuss how to proceed with the, quote, very bad, unquote, 
relations between the two countries. Putin spokesperson Dmitry Peskov also seemed to imply that they could get worse, warning Thursday that Russia's response to Biden's remarks will be, quote, absolutely clear, unquote. He continued, quote, it's clear that Biden doesn't want to normalize relations with our country. This is what we'll be guided by from now on, end quote. You know, it's Moscow took that unusual move of temporarily recalling its ambassador to the United States. That's the first instance in more than 20 years. And Putin responded himself, and this is what I was referring to. He, you know, he was um, at his desk. His demeanor was just as calm, cool, and collected as he could be. But he, he, you could tell, you can tell when evil is angry. And that's exactly the demeanor that he had. Translation to what he said was, he who said it, did it. <laughs> the phrase can be roughly translated as, I know you are, but who am I? Or, or, wait a minute. I know you are, but what am I? Do you remember that? Yeah, and of course I screwed it up. Taylor will have a kick field day with that. So I know you are, but what am I in regards to being a killer? A quote from Putin. Each nation and every state has very hard, dramatic, and bloody events in their history. But when we assess other people, or even when we assess other states and other nations, we always sort of look in the mirror and we always see ourselves there because we always attribute to other people that which we breathe ourselves and what we essentially are. The Russian deputy speaker of Russian's parliament's upper house, quote, gross statement sends any expectations for the new U.S. administration's policy toward Russia down the drain. So that was somebody in that, that was the deputy in their house. Their foreign ministry spokeswoman, Maria Zakharova. I'm sure I am screwing that up. Moscow expects an explanation for Biden's comments. And I quote, why do we always have to translate their strange, unintelligible political gibberish into normal speech? End quote. It isn't me saying that he is gibbering and that he's not cognitively there. Right there. That's the Russian government. Why do we always have to translate their strange, unintelligible political gibberish into normal speech? 
Putin went on to say, quote, I want to offer President Biden that we continue our discussion, but on the condition that we do it live, online, without any delays. Not only do I know that what is going on here is in somehow fake, that so many people are complicit to what is actually going on, Putin knows it. And do you think it ends with Putin in Russia? No. No. Let's move on to China. Now to China, let's spin the wheel and talk about evil China, CCP, to be very, very clear. You know, China is not only recognizing our weakness, but they are capitalizing on it. In this past week, U.S. and China held the first face-to-face -face meeting of the Biden presidency. It was on American soil in Alaska. There was a tense exchange between U.S. Secretary of State Blinken and CCP Foreign Affairs Chief, and I am not even going to attempt his name, where he told us, quote, the United States does not have the qualification to say that it wants to speak to China from a position of strength, end quote. We don't have the right to speak to China from a position of strength. Wow. He went on to tell us that we have our own problems here in the United States, including human rights challenges, such as Black Lives Matter. Now, remember before when I told you that if you thought that they didn't have their hand in Black Lives Matter and Antifa, you were not paying attention, here is your proof. And out of this whole thing, apparently what Biden was upset about was that Secretary of State Blinken took a staffer with purple hair. We are living in a clown world. You know, everyone should have known. I knew. Everyone should have known that Joe Biden and his family is completely compromised with the CCP. I just didn't realize that the CCP would flex before Biden even had the courage to do his first so-called press conference. The CCP humiliated the United States government in public on U.S. soil while we debate the gender of toys and the actions of a cartoon skunk, China, Russia, North Korea, and Iran are licking their chops. Okay, a real quick correction segment. Apparently, in my story last week, when we discussed the events of January 6th, I said 
when referring to where President Trump spoke on January 6th, the eclipse. It is the ellipse. So my bad on that. Andrew brought that to my attention. And also, when discussing the Chinese Communist Party's treatment of a large group of people in their country, spelled U-Y-G-H-U-R-S. I have heard it pronounced Uyghurs. I have also heard it pronounced Uyghur. Whatever the proper pronunciation is, you know, I guess it depends on who you're listening to. But I, when I looked it up after he mentioned it, it does seem like most say Uyghur. So I'll make sure to get that correct going forward. Pronouncing things wrong will probably be normal to me. <laughs> um, it's normal for me. My, my mother does it. I do it. It is what it is. The fact is that God made these people in his image and the CCP is abusing them. Um, and hopefully we can get this poor behavior corrected because I doubt we will be able to correct my horrible pronunciation of words. Okay, immigration, once again, I've, I've said before, it's something that you know, we're going to have to talk about probably in more detail um, than even I expected. But for today, let's just touch briefly on what has been happening in the last week. As I said earlier, I do believe that the mainstream has kind of been given the okay to be somewhat hard on the Biden um, border situation. Even though they are still trying to stop this week, they um, trying to stop even Senator Ted Cruz from taking photos. Um, so they're not completely open to criticism, but they're definitely ABC is now picking up on it a lot. I see a lot of CBS stories, a lot of mainstream that typically would shy away from um, discussing anything that Biden does wrong. So I'm not really sure what that means, but probably something in the works. Definitely something is shifting. We shall see. Time will tell. There's so many strange things with this administration, really. But, you know, one being uh, Kamala always standing behind him, always looking over his shoulder, um, never too far away. They travel on the same plane, and that is something that I have not seen in my lifetime. They typically do not want the president and vice president to be on the same plane because if something happens to that plane, then, you know, they're both on it. And so then that would be a, you know, a difficult situation as well. So just some really strange things that we're going to keep an eye on. But on immigration, the Biden administration announced that they're going to be spending $86 million to purchase hotel rooms for illegal immigrants for the over the next six months. You know, housing, food, medical care. I don't know about you, but I only get to go away and stay in hotel rooms when when I am able to 
pay for us to go away and stay in hotel rooms. And I'm, I don't want to make light. I mean, it's just, it's just frustrating because we've watched our National Guard troops sleep in parking garages. It just seems like we have everything so backwards right now. If you come into this country illegally right now, you're being treated better than American citizens. And even worse, you're actually being treated as somebody doing something wrong, as somebody who's breaking the law. You're being treated better than our own National Guard troops that are in D.C., even if I don't agree with why they're in D.C., and I don't even think that they need to be there, but still, these illegal immigrants are being treated better than they were. You know, are they getting, um, you know, metal shavings in their foods? Are It's just so frustrating. They're not sleeping in a cold garage, you know? It's just frustrating. But even with $86 million in hotel rooms, they've opened up convention centers, our shelters are full, everything, I saw one um, report saying that these detention centers are over capacity by almost 700%. And, you know, you have to ask your question, the question, why? And I still go back to the fact that they have several different things they're working on now for the next elections coming up. But why? Why are they allowing this big stream? Why? And why? And he even he doubled down and says, you know, we're open, blah, blah, blah. They need gullible voters. It is sad, but it's true. In some parts of me, I don't even want to call it a crisis because it's not a crisis if it occurs as a direct consequence of undoing previous laws and inviting people to break the law. At that point, it's a plan. It's the Biden administration plan. And if you think it's not our problem because we don't live in a border town, I, we, you know, think again, just think again. There are buses and planes full, full, headed all over a lot of Republican states, too. They're headed all over, planes full and buses full headed to Montana, Idaho, Wyoming, South Dakota, Florida, um, New York, everywhere. They're headed everywhere. Every town is going to be a border town. When will we pay attention when we have a family member that's struck and killed by one of these illegals? when they're drunk driving or, you know, they don't live life like we do. They, a lot of them have been tortured. A lot of them do the torturing. So when will we pay attention when it's one of our family members that ends up tortured by these people? Is that when we'll pay attention? I just, 
I don't understand. There's a way to go about this. I I want to help these people where they are at. I realize that they live in very poor conditions. My heart goes out to them. I am all for helping them try to achieve a better life, but not this way. Not this way. I I learned something new this week. You know, I was listening to an interview with a, a, a reporter who had traveled along with some border agents. And she was explaining some of the things that she saw on her one shift. You know, she had seen, you know, she had seen dead bodies before. Let's just say that. You know, we all have at a funeral home or, you know, some scenes that she had investigated as a as a journalist. But she said that there were just dead bodies along these trails. Um, there were rape trees, the border agents described them. That's what they called them, rape trees. And this is where you come across a tree. Apparently, at each one of these locations, the cartels, um, you pass from one cartel to the next. And in, in that situation, then every female in there owes to the next cartel themselves. So, and as a trophy, when the next cartel is done, they take the underpants of the ladies that they have raped. They line the ladies up. They are all raped in their underwear as a trophy. Get hung in trees. You know, I, she describes some of the underwear as being very small so you knew very very um very small girls had also had this happen to them i don't know what it's going to take for us to wake up and realize that these people are being tortured the entire way here they the the risks that come with this are more than we realize and it's not a joke and it needs to be properly dealt with and what's happening right now is not prop is not the proper way to deal with this you know our our kids and grandkids and their kids will be affected by this. I I read a story. Uh, I heard an interview with this lady, and then I read the um, read the story that she wrote. Betsy McCauley, U.S. schools and students will pay a price for Biden's open borders for minors. Let me just read you some of the highlights of this. The crisis at the border 
will also be headed to your school district soon. If your kids are in public school or you pay school taxes, you need to know the facts. The media shows photos of young migrant children, yet three quarters of these unaccompanied minors are young men ages 15 to 17. The law requires them to go to school, but they've endured trauma on their trek and missed months or years of schooling. Few speak English and don't even know Spanish, only a Native American language. Their education will cost thousands of dollars a year, more than for the average student, because they need linguistic experts, tutors, psychological counseling, vaccinations, and other support. They'll also consume most of a classroom teacher's attention, leaving the rest of the class to make do with less. Even so, only 66% of students without English skills ever graduate. They will struggle, but so will our own kids. This migration wave hitting schools just as they're reopening after the pandemic. Students have missed an entire year of school activities. For school districts with tight budgets, the added cost of educating these young newcomers will mean an end to art classes, band, and orchestra, and other enrichment activities. So, our kids will pay the price. You know, maybe you'll be able to pay for private, um, private art lessons or private band or, but, what about the kids here in America that are living in poverty that their parents won't be able to pay for the extra classes? 33% of Americans right now have bills in collections. And I would say that number is probably even higher than that. But anyway, for school districts with tight budgets, the added cost that they'll take away those um, those programs. Florida, California, Texas, and New York and Connecticut also have Central American community communities and will likely be receiving minors. Those districts are most affected. But like I said just a little bit ago. Their planes and trains are loaded and coming to a little bit of everywhere across this country. So this story was written based on those areas that are most affected. So another area she focused on in this paper, in addition to um, the main districts in Florida, California, Texas, New York, and Connecticut, was Chicago. They had no idea the extent of some of these problems. That that has been eye-opening to me. But in the Chicago suburbs, these young teens labor nights in meat packing and auto parts plants. They come home at 6 a.m. when their shift ends, then go to school two hours later on almost no sleep. 
No wonder they fall asleep in class and age out of high school before getting a diploma. Child labor is being resurrected in our country today. Thanks to open borders. What just another example of why this is just just, just not a good thing. Teens who fail to get a diploma are almost always doomed to poverty. Their education levels are, on average, lower than those of other immigrants and the U.S.-born population. And to no surprise, they are also poorer. Worst of all, allowing this wave of migration to continue now will cripple many public schools and further set back our own kids just when they were struggling to get back on the learning track. Now, this is sad on so many levels. There are hardworking people in America right now, for instance, who are not getting that $1,400 stimulus because they made too much last year. But I know for a fact they're affected right now and have been laid off for months due to COVID. They get nothing because it goes on previous year's employment, yet we have floods of people coming into this country illegally that we are giving hotel rooms food and care. We let our own National Guard sleep in parking garages. It's not moral and decent to invite the whole world to come to America. I just don't know what it is going to take for us to wake up and realize that we have so many here that we need to properly care for. And all human life is important, and I I feel bad for all of these people. And again, I think the aid needs to go to where they are. Let's make where they are a better place, and, and let's strengthen the immigration laws to come here in the legal manner, and let's make that better. There's a lot of things we can do, but this right here, this plan that they have, which would be a crisis if it wasn't exactly what they wanted, this isn't the right way to go about it. In this last week, we've had several tragedies, and I just want to um, touch on them, even if just briefly. But we had a tragedy in Atlanta. And the mainstream media wanted everyone to think that this was an anti-Asian crime, that it was racism against Asian people. But their own FBI disputes that. This man had a sex addiction, and he blamed them for that. And that was the cause. Race had no bearing on it. In Chicago, 22 people were shot last weekend alone, including an 11-year-old. Zero coverage. An Uber Eats driver killed by a 13 and 15-year-old, by 13 and 15-year-old girls. 
who attempted to steal his car. They tased him. They tried to take off. He was holding on to the car. They crashed the car. He went flying. And it was the it was the worst example of what the carnage of the left has wrought upon America. Entitled youths attacking and killing a legal immigrant who was trying to work and provide for his family. And all they were worried about was the fact that the one girl left her phone in the crashed car. The man's body, if you've seen this coverage, the man's body is, nobody goes to his aid. This was in one of the top neighborhoods in Washington, D.C. And the National Guard was, several National Guard members were there. And I hate to criticize, but the, our own National Guard members never checked this man for a pulse. They didn't check. They just seemed, I don't know how to explain it. You know, check for a pulse check for shock, nothing. They don't even acknowledge that this man's body is laying there literally broken and they don't even acknowledge it. You know, I am not shocked by much anymore, but that video shook me. And then of course we have the, had the tragedy in Colorado where 10 people were killed. Now the suspect's name in that um, incident was, and this is why it left the coverage quite quickly. His name was Ahmad Al Alawi Alisa. Ahmed Al Alawi Alisa. Now, while the FBI has been focused on Q in the crap from January 6, they missed and allowed this tragedy to occur. They were focused on hunting down unarmed Americans who, for the most part, took a self-guided tour of a public building four months ago. And in the process, this 21-year-old Syrian immigrant pulled off this tragic event. And I do have to wonder if us bombing Syria a month ago after Joe Biden took office was a factor. Upon reviewing his social media, it has come to light that he is a radical Islamist. Most of his posts were very anti-Trump, and the FBI knew about this guy. And this occurred. Ten people lost their lives, and it was not blasted in the media because the victims were all white and their deaths didn't fit their narrative that they want to spell out. When, when, will we, when will we realize a few things that they want us to think that everybody is racist? And I don't believe that is true. Honestly, at this point, nobody is safe. And that doesn't matter what your race or your gender or your color is. Nobody is safe. 
When will we realize that gun laws, gun bans, gun-free zones, and all the background checks in the world will not save a life? Colorado already has universal background checks. They already have red flag gun control laws. They have large capacity magazine bans, domestic violence gun laws, extended background checks, uh, extended background check period, state data ba database background checks, gun-free zones. Killers do not follow the law. And to the gun control advocate saying to be pro-life, we must have a ban on guns. Where are you every single day when thousands of children are legally slaughtered in abortion clinics? Daily, daily thousands of babies are killed. When you're willing to stop those babies from being killed, then maybe I'll be willing to discuss this with you. But until then, don't come at me. Don't come at me trying to make helpless, tr making good people helpless doesn't make bad people harmless. The problem in America is not guns. It's hearts without God. It's homes without discipline. It's school without prayers. And it is courtrooms without justice. It is not the guns. Really briefly, I'm going to touch on this fact because I don't want it to go unnoticed, but I am going to work further in on this. This week in the news, um, well, not in the mainstream, but uh, Hunter Biden has had some gun problems. So in in 2018, Hunter Biden lied on the forms that you have to fill out in order to get a gun. And then his brother's widow that he was doing drugs with stole it and tossed it into a trash can near a high school and it went missing. And the cops and the feds came in to clean everything up. No charges were filed on anyone. And while, while this was all going on, apparently when the gun had went missing, the Secret Service agents went to the store where Hunter had purchased the gun on October 12th of that year and asked the owner if he would give them the sale records. Thankfully, the, the owner of that shop refused to hand them over. He said he did not want the Secret Service to try to hide Hunter's connection to the wep weapon if it had been used in a crime. Now, the reporter that I um, trust wholeheartedly has obtained a copy of Hunter Biden's signed gun purchase record from 2018, where he lied about his drug use. And I am going to um, look at a few things on my own in some documentation that I need to research. And I'm going to wait for Jack Posobiec to um, dig into this deeper. And then we will come back to this as this progresses. But I just want to note that if that had been you or I who lied on that. Um, 
it's a it's a form 4473 we would be in jail and this is just one example of the things that hunter has been allowed to get away with that we would not be allowed to get away with so stay tuned i'll be digging into this a little deeper okay to close out the last week, and I realize I am late to getting this posted, and just a forewarning, um, after the next three days, then my husband is on a vacation, and for him, the way his work schedule falls, unlike me, when I take five days off, then I have the weekend, the five days, the weekend. The way his is scheduled, it's usually about 14 nights, so... Projects are planned, and I apologize now because late things posting is probably going to be the normal for the next few weeks at least. But encouragement. Two things I encourage you to consider doing. Speak out. Nicely, of course. <laughs> the, the switchboard number. 202-224-3121. They will direct you to your representative's office, your senators, your wherever you live, they will help you find who represents you. Tell them your concerns. We do not get to complain if we do not reach out and let our representatives know how we feel on issues. In my experience, their staff is always very helpful. There's no need to be nervous, be kind, be well-spoken, just speak with respect. Realize that they get a lot of angry calls and those typically get dismissed. So make sure you're asking them how they are. Just be very, very kind. Um, show that you're interested in the in getting things accomplished, you're not calling to give them a hard time. You appreciate what they're doing, and you can express concerns in a nice way. If you are able, consider writing. You can submit written editorials to your local paper. You can um, look up your representative and write them directly. A lot of them, I think all of them have email addresses, but I still think a phone call, but if you're not good on the phone, you don't want to make a phone call and email is a, a great option as well. And honestly, they very rarely get faxes now. So when you fax something to their offices, um, they don't get as many of those as they do emails and phone calls. So sometimes a fax can be a very, um, a very efficient way to uh, contact them. But again, the number is 202-224-3121. It's a good way to voice your concerns and nicely demand action. Two, take time to listen to one podcast for me. It is the Dark to Light with Frank and Beans, and Beans is spelled B-E-A-N-Z. The March 24th, 2021 episode with General Michael T. Flynn. 
he describes our country and and what we are and what we were founded to be and our journey towards socialism and Marxism in the easiest way to understand that I have ever heard. I believe the episode is about an hour long, but it is so full of information and he has a way of speaking and explaining and teaching. And by the way, I hope that he continues to use that gift because it is truly a gift. I had not realized that it was actually about an hour long. It does not seem like it. Um, he says what our kids should be being taught and are not. So it's a very, very good listen. Time well spent. So if you, I will put that in the show notes, show notes too. The, um, the name of the podcast is Dark to Light. And I encourage you to definitely, um, definitely listen to that podcast. I cannot. And if you have, if you have teenagers, it would be a great thing for them to listen to as well. And to close this week on just a couple, couple of notes of encouragement. These were um, some tweets that I saw. A person that I follow is always very encouraging, Cassie Mitchell-Smith. And these ones um, definitely touched me. And so I'm hoping that they touch you as well. The first one, God made you different so you could make a difference. The second one, if it doesn't bring peace, happiness, or purpose, then don't give it your time, energy, or attention. And another good one that I saw, Noah got drunk, Jacob lied, Rahab was a prostitute, David had an affair, God still used them. He can and will use you too. God reigns, he lives, and he forgives. Have a good week.